Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, West Campus, Southwest Campus, Bonnie Dune, Fardaloos, and everyone joining us online, it's great to be with you today. Uh, well, before we get into today's message, I wanted to share a little bit more about year-end giving. Last week, I shared specifically where we're at financially and where we need to be by the end of the month to meet budget. Uh, in other words, there is a financial need that uh, can only be met when we all lean in. So I want to encourage you to continue praying about what your part may be in that. But we already talked about that. So today, I want to uh, quickly point out something that I find a lot of Canadians are unaware of. A couple of weeks ago, I talked about being, uh, that, being a, uh, there, that there are both obligations and benefits to being a citizen, uh, and that we are actually dual citizens here on earth and in heaven. So uh, here in Canada, uh, one of the obligations of citizenship or of living here is income tax, right? We all got to pay that income tax. Uh, now, that's not the thing that most Canadians are unaware of. Well, at least I hope most Canadians aren't unaware of that. Uh, the thing that many are unaware of are the benefits that come when you give to churches in Canada. And more specifically, the benefit of charitable giving in Alberta. Uh, did you know that when you do your annual taxes that you can get 50% of your charitable giving refunded back to you in the form of tax credits? Uh, so if you give $200 today, the annual tax rebate goes up to $100. Now, that's a big, uh, that's a huge benefit, but that's not actually why we give, right? We give because God first gave to us. We give because everything we have is a gift to us. We give as an act of worship and gratitude. And you know what? We give as an act of rebellion against the consumeristic and materialistic narrative and messages that, that just prevail in our day to day. And most importantly, we give because God calls us to. He invites us to give. So when we give, uh, we do it cheerfully. And we do it freely because God loves a cheerful giver. Now take a look at how this passage is said in the message paraphrase. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That'll protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. So let's do that. Would you join me in prayer as we continue to just prayerfully consider what that might look like for us? Uh, thank you, Lord, for um, the instruction in your word, uh, especially about money and about giving and what you are calling us to do. Lord, I pray that, you would hum that we would humble ourselves that we would come before you, um, not in obligation, as we pray about this question about a year-end gift, not, not because of that, but I pray that you would fill us with a sense of gratitude um, of how generous you've been to us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, to start today's message, I would love for us to read this passage together, okay? So we'll have the passage on the screen, Philippians 4, verse 4 and 5, but I want us to just read this out loud 
together as we just get going, okay? So let's do this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Now, as we've been walking through Philippians, uh, we've talked a lot about joy and a lot about rejoicing. In fact, I want to point this out to you. We're going to do a quick survey from chapter one, but all with you're going to see all the passages that relate to joy. Okay, so let's see here, uh, starting from the beginning. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And then chapter two, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. But even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. In the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. For this reason, I am very eager to send him so that you may rejoice again when you see him and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and hold people like him in honor. And then in chapter three, in addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. And then in chapter four, so then my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown In this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And then our verse for today. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Now, I wonder if Paul's trying to say something here, (laughs) right? Like he's saying these, he's repeating these similar themes over and over again. And as we walked through this progression of verses about joy, did you notice Did you notice what happened as we went from chapter one all the way to chapter four? Before Paul strongly commands the Philippians to rejoice and be people of joy, he actually starts off by modeling it. He prays with joy. And when things aren't going his way, we see here that he rejoices. And even when he's wrongly accused, he rejoices. So the reason that Paul talks so much about joy isn't because he's, you know, one of those glass half full sort of guys or, or is concerned about his cosmic energy and only wants to send out positive vibes or, or because he's living in denial or because he's out of touch and he doesn't know the brokenness that exists in our world. No, that's not why. The reason Paul talks so much about joy is because joy is the distinctive mark of Christians. This is how the theologian, theologian Gordon Fee talks about this. Joy, unmitigated, untrammeled joy, is, or at least should be, the distinctive mark of the believer in Christ Jesus. The wearing of black and the long face, which so often came to typify some later expressions of Christian piety, are totally foreign to the Pauline version. Paul, the theologian of grace, is equally the theologian of joy. 
Christian joy is not the temporal kind which comes and goes with one's circumstances. Rather, it is predicated altogether on one's relationship with the Lord and is thus an abiding, deeply spiritual quality of life. It finds expression in rejoicing, which is not a Christian option, but an imperative. In other words, joy is the distinctive mark of Christians. Christian joy isn't temporal. It's not fleeting because it's dependent on our circumstances. Instead, joy is deep and it's evident in our lives when we are connected to him and abiding in him. After all, we read in the Bible that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. As a result, when we are connected to Jesus, rejoicing isn't an option. It's it's an imperative. It's a command. So regardless of our present circumstances, following Jesus and joy go together. They're kind of like peanut butter and honey. Uh, Yeah, okay, I was looking for jam. (laughs) Peanut butter and jam. At least you didn't say marmalade. Um, You know, salt and pepper. Yeah, macaroni and cheese. Okay, good, we're getting the the hang of this. Let's kick it up a notch. Uh, Biscuits and gravy. gravy. Yeah, right on. Uh, Or uh, Mickey Mouse and... Minnie Mouse, Tweedledee, and Tweedledum, yeah, right. Uh, and okay, last one, one more, okay. Starbucks and, yeah, no, Star... lots of random answers. Okay, Starbucks and, no, no, Starbucks and overpriced drinks that no one can afford anymore, <laughs> right? Like it almost costs as much to take my family out to, eat lunch as it is to get them drinks at Starbucks. Okay, Uh, so in other words, following Jesus and joy, like this partnership here, following Jesus and joy, what we see in the scriptures is that they just go together. So how, right, how do we rejoice? In light of everything that's going on in our world today and everything that might be going on in your life today, right now, how do we do this, right? How do we rejoice? Do we just, I don't know, stop watching the news and instead get our news from Jimmy Fallon instead, right? Like the Tonight Show, I mean, you don't be that bad of an idea. Uh, I mean, it's, he's, he's hilarious, right? It's so much, so much fun to get the news through him. So is that, is that what we should do? Or, or, or maybe we should just listen to songs about happiness, right? Like Happy by Pharrell. You know that song? Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like happiness is a true... I, I got it wrong. If you feel like a room without a roof, because I'm happy, clap along if you feel... No, you don't like this song? Like, no one's clapping along? <laughs> it's so sad, right? I guess we're all really just sad today, right? I mean, come on, let's try it, cut. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like... Ha- yeah, right? I mean, we get this sense, right? Like, you kind of get into it, and when you're all clapping together, there is this sense... That, that there, you know, kind of, it kind of wells up some sort of happiness. So is, 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 that, is that how we can rejoice always and do that today? Or, or maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's watching like YouTube clips and, and comedy pranks like this one.
just for laughs, right? I mean, that's hilarious. I don't know if you're allowed to take off another child's shirt in public. <laughs> uh, so when Paul says, right, when Paul says to rejoice in the Lord, always, uh, the thing is he wasn't out of touch with reality. Now, Paul didn't live a life, uh, a problem-free life, Serve to him on a silver platter. That's not the sort of life that he lived. In fact, here's a glimpse of the sort of non-joy-inducing experiences that he had in life. 2 Corinthians 11. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing. And if that wasn't enough, he also experienced the stress of leadership and people issues. Take a look at verse 28. Not to mention other things, there is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. But despite all of that, and that's a lot, right? But despite all of that, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, right? He doesn't say, try to rejoice if you can, right? Or rejoice only when things are going well or, or, or fake it till you make it, right? No, after having personally experienced seasons of dryness, Disease, death, disappointment, discouragement, deficits. He confidently and boldly says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone the Lord is near. And you know what? He's not telling us to do this in hindsight or after the fact. He's actually saying that when you're in the middle of whatever you're in the middle of, there's a way to rejoice. That's why he says what he says in 2 Corinthians 6.10, as grieving, yet always rejoicing. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. Or immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy. In other words, Paul knew something that we didn't, <laughs> right? He knew something here. He understood that to rejoice always, regardless of our circumstances, we need to aim for Jesus, not joy, and we need to be gentle like Jesus. So let's unpack both um, so that we can learn how to rejoice always, regardless of our circumstances. So how can we rejoice always? Uh, we need to aim for Jesus, not joy. Now when Paul says in Philippians 4.4, to rejoice in the Lord always, you know, he's not asking us to repress our feelings. If we don't want to rejoice and we don't feel like it, Paul isn't saying, hey, aim for joy and pretend to rejoice because that's what we're supposed to do, kind of like this. <laughs> Going right back to that frown, right? Like, that's not, that's not what he's, he's not saying pretend, repress, forget. That's not what he's saying. He's not telling us to do this either. <laughs> right? Look at that frown, right? From the, from the smile to the frown. Right? That's not what Paul is asking us to do. 
He's not telling us to repress our feelings and pretend, and, and he's not telling us to just aim for joy. And just, just like you're hoping that aiming for joy will somehow produce joy in our lives. Instead, when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice, right? When he says these words, he's telling us to aim for Jesus. He's telling us to aim for Jesus, not joy. Because if you aim for joy, you may or may not get Jesus. But if you aim for Jesus, you always get joy. In John 15, we discover that following Jesus is about abiding in him. It's about being connected to him like a branch to a vine or like a branch to a tree. I mean, just take a look at John 15, 4. Remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, this makes sense. I mean, a branch is only able to produce fruit if it's connected to the trunk, right? I mean, we know that. We know that. I mean, that makes sense. And, and, and you know, we don't know necessarily, we don't have vineyards in Edmonton, so it's hard to imagine the branch on the vine, but we get the branch on the trunk sort of thing here. I mean, without the trunk, the branch is nothing. The branch only has life. You, know, you can only get apples on the branches as if it's connected to the trunk, right? If it's connected to the tree, the branch only has life and can bear fruit if it's connected to the source of life because it's getting its nutrients and life from the trunk, from the vine and not the other way around. So in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, we read that joy is one of them, right? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, so if joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit, that means joy isn't random or circumstantial. Experiencing and feeling joy in our lives, do you hear me? It's not random. It's not circumstantial. Joy isn't a weed that just randomly pops up in places. And joy isn't something that some people happen to have and other people don't, randomly, right? Joy, what we're talking about is joy, deep joy, welling up from the inside that isn't affected by our circumstances. All of that is a result of being filled by the Spirit. Being filled by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. So based on these two sets of verses, what can we know about following Jesus and joy. Well, uh, since joy is a, one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? We talked about that. And then branches can only bear fruit if they're connected to the vine. That means we can't get joy by aiming for joy. We can't. Joy, fruit of the Spirit, can only be produced when we are on the vine and connected to the vine. That's what Jesus talks about in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. In other words, joy is the result of our relationship with Jesus. It's a natural byproduct of walking with Jesus. It's the fruit of it. This is why we need to learn how to aim for Jesus and not joy. Uh, but Daniel, isn't joy found in things? <laughs> Do you ever hear that? 
I mean, there are lots of people who say that, right? Lots of marketing that goes by that. And, and, and there's actually, I mean, Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo. You know who Marie Kondo is? Like, she's one of those people who say that. Like, this, this lady is, I mean, she's a best-selling author, been published in 30 different countries. She has two of her own Netflix shows. She's even one of the top 100 time most influential, times most influential people. She preaches a message that joy can be found in things, and then she teaches how to tell if something sparks joy. Just take a look at what she says about this. Key point for distinguishing items which spark joy from those which don't is to feel the item in your hands. Take each piece of clothing in your hand and see how your body responds. See if it sparks joy in you. When you touch an item that sparks joy, your body would respond this way. It feels as if every part or every cell of your body lifts up little by little. This is the sensation your body would feel when you touch items that spark joy. On the contrary, when you touch an item which does not spark joy, you would feel uh, kind of funny, right? I mean, like, but, but I gotta tell you, like, so many people follow her teaching and her way. So I have a, I have a bag of items here. Uh, and I wanted to see if uh, what she just taught works, okay? So, so let's see what we have. Okay, let's grab this first one. What is this? Willy Wallaby, classic black licorice. Oh, okay, let's, let's see. Okay, she, she said just hold it, right? And you're supposed to feel something? Zzz. Oh my goodness, it works. Okay, okay, okay. It worked for that one. How about this? What else do we have in here? Uh, oh. Oh, okay. Oh, look. A beheaded cow. <laughs> Let's see if it works. No, it doesn't work either. Okay, I think, okay. It didn't spark joy. Maybe, maybe we can find one more here. It's a Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Uh, no, I think I actually ought to take a bite. There we go. Look at that. Look at that. How many? Oh, I'm going to. Uh, there we go. That's the bite you got to take, right? Like the one with, not the one with the bread, but the one with all the chicken there. <laughs> it worked! <laughs> oh. oh, man, that's good. Is there anything else in here? Oh, Coke Zero. Dream flavored? Have you, ever, have you ever seen this? Has anyone ever tried Dream? What is this?
the heck? <laughs> that is weird. Okay, I'm not even gonna do it on that one. <laughs> right, okay, so joy, right? Talked about joy here. Um, joy can't be found in things. I mean, I mean, maybe in a fried chicken sandwich occasionally. <laughs> uh, but not, not like, not in a way that lasts, right? Like when you, when you eat something that you enjoy, when you find something, when you have something that you like and enjoy, yeah. I mean, there is a, like, let's be honest here, right? There is a sense of happiness, right? Or, or joy or delight that comes when you, you, you find something, but that joy doesn't last, right? It's, it's there, but it doesn't last. Deep joy, lasting joy, joy that isn't circumstantial, joy that is strong and endures regardless of your circumstances cannot be found in things. That kind of joy can only be found in Jesus. So church family, may we be people, may we be people who aim for Jesus, not joy. May we aim for Jesus. So the next time you feel low on the joy meter or something that has happened to you that has brought you down or you're going through a season of dryness uh, or, or disappointment or deficit or discouragement or, or just something's going on in your life that you're like, yeah, joy is the last thing that I, I, I can ever imagine feeling or even wanting to. I want to sit in my sadness right now. Like when you feel that way. Don't repress your feelings. Don't numb yourself. Don't distract yourself. And don't, don't even do anything worse. Instead, aim for Jesus in those circumstances. Not joy. Aim for Jesus. In those circumstances, open up the word of God. Open up the Bible. Spend time in the word. Pray through the word. Turn on worship music. Fast. Pray, connect, practice the spiritual disciplines. Meditate on God's word. Don't aim for a feeling. Aim for Jesus. And then let him produce the joy in your life, which, you know, honestly, the joy that Jesus gives us oftentimes is felt as inward peace. So let him create and develop that peace in your heart and your life. Now, the second way to learn how to rejoice always is to be gentle like Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm curious if uh, any of you did Mad Libs as a kid. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah? Well, a few people? Yeah, anyone? You know what Mad Libs are, right? Like, you just fill in the blank. So, so to illustrate what it means to be gentle like Jesus, I'd love to do one with you. I've, I've asked Heather to, to come up on stage. So let's give Heather a round of applause for coming out, her bravery. Awesome. So I'm not going to tell you which Mad Libs we're going to do here, um, but this is going to be fun. Thanks, Heather, for coming out here. You can grab. The, you can stand on that X right there. Okay. Okay. So you reviewed all the words, right? What they all mean? You gave me words to yeah. review. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll try. Okay. Uh, adjective. Bright. Bright? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, plural noun. Vacuum cleaners. <laughs> what? 
I don't know. Did you give me a list? No, 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 no. This is great. Okay, this is great. Good. Adjective. Okay. Adjective. This is awesome. Another adjective? Yeah. Dazzling. Dazzling. Nice. Nice. Okay. A person in the room. <laughs> Ashley. Ashley. Okay. Your daughter. <laughs> yeah. Right? She's going to love me for that yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, silly word. She's like shaking her head right now. Silly word. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Oh my God, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to, supercala, okay. We'll just call it SP. <laughs> okay, SP. Okay, uh, verb, past tense. Went. Went? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, celebrity. Oh my goodness, my brain just went completely <laughs> blank. Um, Connor McDavid. It's Edmonton, Connor McDavid, so we'll yeah, on. nice. Very Edmonton. Very Edmonton. Okay, verb. Another one? Yeah. Um, dancing. Dancing? Okay. Mm -hmm. person, another person in the room? Oh, we have to go with Michael just Yes, to <laughs> that's what I thought. Your son? Okay, okay. noun? It's going to be so good. I know. It's going to be so odd. Um, a noun. Person, place, or thing? Yeah. Noun is a person, place, or thing, right? Exactly. Yep. I, the thing that came to my mind is jeans. Jeans. I don't okay. Know. <laughs> like, je like wearing jeans, right? Yeah, like okay. blue jeans. Okay, blue jeans. Uh, person in room. I'm gonna go with Maya. Maya. <laughs> nice, Maya. All right. Uh, verb ending in ing. <laughs> Singing. Singing. Okay. Adverb. Exuberantly. Ex why do you choose like all the long ones? Uh, okay, celebrity. We're almost done. Um, Johnny Depp. Johnny I Depp. Know. I don't know. That was random. Nice. Johnny Depp. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands. Okay, noun. Yeah, I know. The dead space. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Christmas lights. Christmas lights. Okay. Animal. A puppy. Puppy. Last one. Uh, two more. Person in the room. Oh, we'll go with Aiden. Aiden. Okay, and last one. Noun. A door. A door. Okay. So, what we're doing here, uh, the title of this Mad Libs is The Naughty List. It's a Christmas one. Uh, so, in other words, this is the opposite of being gentle like Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like, the point that we're talking about is being gentle like Jesus is the opposite, okay? So, here is a list of some of the bright children who will be getting coal in their vacuum cleaners this year <laughs> and their most dazzling offenses. This is great. Ashley called the family dog a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious after he went in the house. That worked out well. Connor McDavid refused to listen when asked to dance at the table for dinner. <laughs> Michael cut in line while waiting to be served mystery jeans in the school cafeteria. <laughs> okay, <laughs> mystery jeans. Oh man. Maya got detention for singing exuberantly in the middle of class. <laughs> Well, Maya's great at singing, so I think that's great. I don't think that's naughty list material. Uh, Johnny Depp cheated during a game of pin the Christmas lights on the puppy? 
Oh, that's wrong. There's so many reasons. Okay, and last one. Uh, Aiden ate a... What, was, what did you say at the end for the noun? A door. Oh, adore, adore. I thought you meant like I adore someone. Okay. Aiden ate a dirty door <laughs> off the floor twice. <laughs> All right. Can we give Heather a round of applause? Thanks, Heather. Here, I can take it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So like we did there, um, this is the opposite. Like what I just said here, like what we just did right there, that's the opposite of being gentle. Right? Like, I don't think any of these, any of these would be characterized as being gentle. Like, cheating during a game of pin the lights, Chris, pin the Christmas lights on a puppy? Like, that's not gentle. That's mean. No wonder they're on the naughty list and they're getting coal in their vacuum cleaners. <laughs> that's so awesome. So, just like we did Mad Libs with this, I want to do Mad Libs with you on this passage. Okay, so let's take a look at the screen here. Uh, we see two blanks. Uh, one is, you know, the first can ultimately result in something. So in the first blank, let's fill it in with things that might produce joy and happiness, or that we might find joy and happiness in. Okay, so we have something like great plans can ultimately, right, that, that can kind of produce joy and happiness in some, or money, Money can do that. Uh, new stuff, right? You're happy when good grades. I mean, no, one's, no one cries over good grades. Uh, getting a promotion, right? I mean, that's, that kind of produces some joy in you. Or children, yes. Uh, relationships and safety. Okay, so, so these are all things that could produce a measure or often do produce some measure of joy and happiness in our lives. So in the second blank, let's fill it in with what the end result of these things might be. Now, I'm not talking about the immediate result, right? I'm talking about like later down the road, what might the end result be? Okay, so great plans can ultimately result in worry. Money can ultimately result in stress, Yeah. New stuff can ultimately result in greed. Good grades can ultimately result in pride. Uh, promotion uh, can ultimately result in busyness. Yeah. Uh, children can ultimately result in <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, not ultimately result in, they do. <laughs> right? They cost a lot of money. Uh, safety can, or relationships can ultimately result in Bitterness, yeah, it can. And safety can ultimately result in a false sense of security. So in today's passage, right, Paul shows us what a life of rejoicing will result in. Or what a life of, rejo of, of rejoicing will produce in us. Right? Take a look at the verse again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. In other words, remember the blanks? Rejoicing, what, this is what Paul's saying here. He's saying rejoicing can ultimately result in gentleness. That's what he's saying here. It's gentleness. When we rejoice in the Lord, we become like Jesus, which means we will be gentle like Jesus. 
and we'll be gentle like him. Now, I recognize that as you see that on the screen right now, some of you might be like, what? Like, I don't know if I want that. Like, gentleness? Like, I, that's never been a characteristic that I've aspired after. And I get that. I get, I, I get it, right? Because culturally speaking, being gentle, right, it's not necessarily a desirable quality, right? I mean, in the movies, what happens to the gentle guy? He doesn't get the girl, right? He doesn't. Like, it doesn't happen in the movies. And what happens to the gentle girl? She might get taken advantage of, right? I mean, being gentle in our culture can often be interpreted and equated with, with being soft and weak, not strong and courageous. Gentle people don't seem to get ahead in life. They seem to get trampled on and over. So why, right? Why is Paul here in this passage, making this connection between rejoicing and gentleness. Well, do you remember uh, a while, uh, you know, a little bit ago, I said how joy is the fruit of walking with Jesus? Do you remember that? And, and being connected with him? Well, when we are connected to the vine, uh, we will start looking like the vine because we're going to get our source of nutrients from the vine. So not only, a, not only is gentleness, like remember we said joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit? Gentleness is actually one of the fruit of the Spirit as well. But here's the thing. In Matthew 11, the vine itself, Jesus himself says that he is gentle. The vine is gentle. Take a look at Matthew 11. This is what Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest for your souls. Now this passage is important for a variety of reasons but I just want to zoom in on one for the sake of time, okay? And when I came across this insight, um, I, it was just mind-blowing. Like I came across it first uh, as I was reading this book, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And this is what he said. He said that this passage, this passage you see right now on the screen, this passage is the only place in all of the Gospels, in all 89 chapters of the Gospels, where Jesus tells us something super important about himself. He tells us about his heart. This is the only place in all of the Gospels where he tells us about his heart. That he is gentle and humble in her. I mean, I mean can, you, can you imagine, like, of all the things that Jesus could say about himself, of all the things that he could say to describe himself to everyone around him, and for all the ages to come, what defines him, right? What directs him, what gets him out of the bed in the morning, he says that he is gentle and humble in heart. That's crazy, right? This is, he describes himself in this way. He could have said he's bold. He could have said he's courageous. He could have said anything that he wanted to say, but instead he describes his center and his being as being gentle and humble. Take a look at how Dane Ortland describes this gentleness of Jesus. Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. This is who he is. Tender, open, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing. 
What a contrast, eh? What a contrast to our cultural understanding of being gentle. So here's the thing. Uh, this point is similar to our previous one. To grow in joy, we need to aim, aim, aim at Jesus, right? Well, it's the same thing with gentleness. To grow in gentleness. We don't aim for gentleness. We don't try to be, we aim for Jesus. And when we aim for Jesus and become like Jesus, he will produce the gentleness and the joy in our lives. Why? Because he is the vine and we are the branches. So my dear brothers and sisters, let me summarize today's message like this. Our two points were aim for Jesus, not joy, and be gentle like Jesus. So here's the summary. When we aim for Jesus, we become people of joy. When we aim for Jesus, we become people of joy. And as that happens, our gentleness will be made known to everyone. Or here's another way of putting it. Outwardly, our joy will be expressed as gentleness. Inwardly, our joy will be felt as peace. Outwardly, our joy will be expressed as gentleness and inwardly, our joy will be felt as peace. So Beulah Church family, let's end the way that we started by reading this passage together. Let's read this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, let's rise and let's sing this song of joy. Uh, not to feel joy, not to, not to aim for joy, but uh, to aim for Jesus. All right, let's sing this together. Thanks for listening and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.